0: Ends in prayer. After the family left for the prison, Chaplain Taylor sat in a chair near the fireplace. Greg and I sat down also. Chaplain Taylor said, well, this is the longest, 30 minutes. I just nodded. John's mother sat down in the chair next to me. John's sister sat on the couch about 10 feet away. Chaplain Taylor then started engaging John's mother in a lighthearted conversation about her grandchildren and John's earlier years. The time passed slowly. I smiled and I nodded in agreement to their comments that Greg and I did not join in the conversation. The Simran came very easily. The clock crept slowly to midnight. After a few minutes past midnight, John's mother fell silent. She sat there a minute and stood up and walked over to her, her daughter and put her arms around her and began sobbing. My eyes filled with tears, and I could no longer hold back. After a few minutes, I went over and put my arms around his mother, hoping to ease her pain. I heard Joplin begin slowly and softly, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness, for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest me a table, a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It was as if the master spoke those words through the chaplain for his family's consolation. The sobbing grew faint and the room grew silent. After a while, the chaplain asked John's mother what she would remember the most about John. She said how full he was spiritually. He looked at me and asked me the same question. I thought about John for a moment and I looked at the chaplain and said, I'll remember how loving John was. I asked the chaplain the same question and he said, I'll remember John's gentleness. He then reflected on the times that he'd be on death, on the death row ward, he said, there would be television blaring and loud conversations going on, radios going, and then he would see John and John would say softly, Oh Chaplain, do you have a minute? He also recalled how many times the prisoners whispered to one another during the Sunday church service, but he said, John, always listened attentively. He later told Greg that he'd been at over 20 executions, but this family had been more loving, more together than any of them. John's father and family returned from the prison, and they all quietly embraced The atmosphere in the room was almost electric. The master's love and grace was reverberating throughout the house. I felt a warmth and real closeness for everyone in the room. The circumstances we had shared forged a bond of compassion and understanding. About one o'clock we decided to drive home as Greg had to be work the next morning. Each member of the family thanked us for our concern and our love. They said goodbye and each warmly embraced us as we walked toward the door. The next to last person at the door was John's younger brother, Ricky. He had been inconsolable earlier. His mother said that for several years he couldn't forgive John and he didn't visit him. But having visiting with John in the recent months, he felt he had lost all those years with his brother. I felt a lot of compassion for Ricky My younger brother was also named Ricky. He was killed only a few years earlier. And the person that killed him was sent to the Huntsville Prison. Life is full of ironies. As I sat through the trial with my mother I could have never imagined that in a few years I would be trying to be a comfort to the family of a young man being executed. As we stepped closer to the door of the leave, Ricky looked up at me and embraced me. I looked into his eyes, and the pain seemed less. I said, John loved you very much, Ricky. He nodded. John's father stood at the door. He was a very gentle man. I felt so much love for him. He had been through so much. As I approached him, he bent down and he embraced me. After a few moments, he bent over and whispered in my ear, You would have been so very proud of John. It was as if the Master was speaking through him, telling us that John had maintained Simran. I looked into his eyes, and I nodded. I held back the tears until we reached the dark outside. Through the drive home, Greg and I were silent. A light on the car dash burned out. We looked at each other. It seemed almost symbolical. We arrived home around 3 a.m. I felt the way I do after returning from India. You know, you've been there, but it seems quite out of time and space. In one way, it seemed as if nothing had happened. It all seemed unreal, but we knew we would never be the same. We sent a letter to Sanchi with the next group going and I told him about John's execution. Sanchi's letter came and we read his reply. Sanchi said, I appreciate his attitude. He has gained the liberation and the Master's pleasure. You for your patient listening.
1: All right, we have some Prashad that we're going to give out. And all that's being given out, maybe someone could sing about it. O beloved Kirpal, Guru, my love with you is very ancient. I am lying at your door. I am standing with my hands stretched out. The eyes are thirsty. Make me have your darshan. Shower grace, O Lord. Take me across. O friend of the miserable ones, the ocean of compassion, how do you forget me? Showering grace, you liberate the saints. O Satguru, you have liberated even the sinners. You ate the contaminated fruits of shivri. You embraced all those who came into your refuge. You have erased everyone's difficulties. You have known everyone's pains. O Satguru, I am in your refuge. You are an ocean and I am your drop. You are my mother and father and brother. I am a beggar. You are the giver. Oh, Ajay, this is the tale of lives. This is the story of birth after birth. Oh, my Satguru, I am in your refuge. You are an ocean and I am your drop. You are my mother and father and brother. I am a beggar. You are the giver, O Ajay. This is the tale of lives. This is the story of birth after birth. O beloved Guru, my love with you is very ancient. And I think lunch is ready. (laughs)
2: Aye ji rabu tu di shani saun saun de duniya ke I'm not sure tak you and once I am not going to to
3: I God
1: is uh... let guru go to Sirsic, your proclaimed, a jibe also saying, Gracious Samhain has caused the drizzle to shower, come let us have the darshan of the radiant form, the world calls him Salwan. I am his intoxicated one, very happily he gave me the gift of immortal Kripal. 253.
3: Yeah. Hey. que tous les savait qu'il yeah The other की
1: Paul, make me your own, everyone calls you the gracious one. O Satguru, do not look at my faults, I am filled with many faults. O Satguru, cut my despair, I have borne much desperation and pains. O Satguru, please consider everyone calls you the gracious one. The sinner mind is very strong, it makes me sin and takes away my virtues. Day and night it remains involved in the intoxication of lust, anger, greed, attachment, and egoism. Mm-hmm. O oh, protector, shower, grace, everyone calls you the Gracious One. Many great rishis and munis were swayed away in the stream of mind. O oh, Satguru, except you, who will hold the hand of me, a small jiva? O oh, my Satguru, the Gracious One of the poor, everyone calls you the Gracious One. He himself protects his disciples. From the lowly ones he makes them the highest. A jibe is in your refuge. O Satguru, may his honour be protected. O Sawans Kurpal, everyone calls you the gracious one. And now more of Dawn. More of dawn.
4: So tonight at 7.30 will be satsang with Russell, and uh, that'll be a special treat. So this morning we read through the satsang he creates yearning within us to do the devotion of God. The desire to realize God is within us, but we need to awaken it. And it is up to us either to awaken that desire which will bring us back into the world or that desire which can make us realize God. (laughs) It is up to us to awaken the desire, and truly speaking, all the desires are within us, even the desire for realizing God. The beautiful talk that Doris gave a couple hours ago, and when she ended it with summarizing the letter from Sanchi that said that that dear soul was liberated that really is an amazing. It is that that is the goal. That is the objective. And everything that Sanchi does to bring us to the Satsang, to have us do the meditation, is all aimed at that final moment when the balance of our attachments are towards the Master and going within, and we're cut off and released from the physical body. And so, as we travel through life, we try to increase the desire for the satsang and the increase to be pure in heart the way the Master has requested us to be. Why is it in the beginning that the mind doesn't like to come to satsang? The only reason for that is that the mind does not want to be repressed because he knows that if we will go into the satsang, He will have to give up the sweet and the sour taste of this world. He will have to be in the discipline. He will have to do the meditation. So that is why he does not want to do that. He wants to remain free, as has been his habit. And this is why he creates many obstacles for our coming to the satsang. And he doesn't let us, at times, come to the satsang. But when somehow we bring our mind into the satsang through the darshan of the masters, through their beautiful words, through their grace, at that time some of the karmas are paid off. And then gradually, if we go on bringing our mind into the satsang, and again, satsang is defined as the association with truth. But as we read, it is the place where Master's charging is present. When he goes on getting us, when he goes on getting the taste of the satsang, then once you have tasted that elixir of the nam and the song, then it becomes very difficult to give it up. <coughs> This is an excerpt from a talk by Master Kripal. entitled <clears throat> Blessed Are the Pure in Heart. And it really summarizes a very broad portion of the path. And the words are written in such a sweet, eloquent manner that it can't help but pull at our hearts to be to be pure in heart, to create the desire to be the way the Master is asking us to be. The Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now what is meant by purity of heart? Purity of heart means that no other thought strikes your mind except for God, God alone No foreign thought. It says, for they shall see God. These are the words, for they shall see God. When there's no other thought except of Him whom you want to see, I think that that leaves ample room for Him to come. But when the room is full of all the unnecessary things, all the dirt, all the other things, How can we expect anyone to come into that room? So all the Masters say, if you want to see God, have nothing else except God in your mind, in our heart of hearts. This is true purity of heart. If any thought does occur to us, it should be that of thanks. We should thank God that He has brought us near to Him. What do we do? In our worldly thoughts, we just forget God altogether, and truly speaking, the thought of, in the thought of God we should forget the world. Even the thought of our body, that also is a foreign thought. Either you remain or he remains, nobody else, God is all alone. All the scriptures say that he has no parents, no brothers, no sisters. He wants everyone to come to him alone not even with the body you see, not even with the intellect. So truly speaking, this is what is meant by purity of heart. You abide in me, I abide in you. What does that mean? You abide in me, I abide in you, no one else. If you've got anyone in your mind, in your heart of hearts, if you keep him in your heart of hearts, then naturally you will be in the heart of hearts of him whom you remember. Like a radio or a television, if there is no dirt in the instrument, then everything will be face to face. The first thing that is advised by the masters is purity of heart. Hitherto, you know, people used to sit at the feet of the masters for years before they were given something to start with but now they cut the story short. So there should be nothing else except Him. When we go to Him, we should have Him in us and naturally we will be in His mind. So what do you mean by the word meditation? Just withdraw all the attention from the outside, withdraw it from the body below. With our whole attention we then knock, with our whole attention, we then knock on the door. By riveting our whole attention, then he hears us. We will sup. He will sup with you, and you within. So the whole thing, the whole thing depends on purity of heart. For purity, many things are helping factors. So first of all, if you want to blood, wash a stained cloth with, that has blood on it. You want to wash the blood away. Can you wash it with blood? No, you need water. So for that, the first thing that is required, you see, is honest earnings. Somebody asked me about the phrase, sweat of the brow. His Master often said we had to earn our livelihood by sweat of the brow. And and there was a question that was put to him, well, do we really have to perspire while we're working, this is what he was implying here. Somebody asked me about the phrase sweat of brow. I never meant that they had to work hard, you see. Working hard is not necessary, but the earnings should be honest. Whatever sort of earnings you may have, you will develop that very that you will develop that very effect in you. If you have gotten anything by ill means naturally, that will give you the effect. So this is the first thing. And then, these are the points for having purity of heart. So first is honest earnings. Second comes chastity of thought. If we are not chaste, our attention is always drawn outside. That is the inspiration of our hearts. It goes where we're attached. So the heart is the throne of God, you might say. Let nobody sit on your heart except God, as we are now anyone.